Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Claire. And this is Cece. And hello, friends, to our headline news edition of our 26th series of Sendition on June 6th, 2021. We have three very interesting stories and even better takes, so let's get into it. Our first story regards another SCOTUS ruling, and they ruled that tribal police now hold power over non-natives within their settlement land. So on June 1st, 2021, the Supreme Court gave the tribal police full authority to stop, search, and detain non-native people on the reservation. Of course, all regular protocols apply, such as if the police officer has a reasonable suspicion that the person committed a state or federal crime for the longest time in America, local police have always been allowed to do this, but not tribal police. The SCOTUS ruling actually reversed the decisions of the lower appeal courts that a police officer of the Crow Nation shouldn't have been able to hold a person who they found with drugs and weapons in their truck. This case actually started in 2016 and has been going through years of appeal until the case was just decided a few days ago. Of course, of course, tribal police have always been able to t- detain and prosecute the tribal citizens, but they have not even been previously able to stop and question non-natives that are traveling or driving through their land. This is definitely helping the Native Americans protect their own land against threats due to many past incidents of non-natives just committing crimes on not native land and not receiving any repercussions. Overall, SCOTUS has again unanimously affirmed tribal sovereignty with this ruling. So, good news. So, let me get this straight. Before Mm -hmm. this ruling, the police did not have any authority over non native people on the reservation? Yeah. So, if you were not a tribal citizen, say you were driving through the land and they have some reason to be suspicious of your actions they can't they weren't allowed to stop you search you or even like put you like detain you right and give you to the authority uh, the federal authorities later they just had to let you go and so in the original case right uh that officer had detained that person and the argument was like oh that's not under the law and well now it is so more support for native americans i am getting from this it's just giving more power to them within their own land i mean if you think about it it's pretty scary like if our local police if like you committed a crime in foster city right and mm-hmm. it was a state or federal crime and the local police had no power to catch this person or to hold this person then they walk free right they just yeah they're free they're until doing. the state or federal authorities come but then that you know they'll just run away <laughs> it's already it's too big of a gap for them to get there in time yeah in discipline okay mm-hmm. i mean that's good for the natives They get to catch criminals now. Well, yeah. And also the fact that there have, like, people have taken, not taken advantage, but there have been incidents where... I mean, yeah, if you were to commit a crime and there was a low chance of you getting caught and you want to commit the crime, like, wouldn't you? In a place that you know you won't get caught in. 
Yeah. Actually, I read a story, or I don't know. It was a. I don't want to say I read a story because it may not be true, but there was like. Assuming maybe the story is real or not, but I think it reflects、mm-hmm. a lot of loopholes within. The law, right? So this senator or this politician's wife, uh, was, a、uh, died in a canyon,、mm-hmm. in like California, Nevada, that area. And like people are trying to prosecute for him because they swear he did it, but like you can't really prove、wow. it because he did it in between state lines. Because、um. the canyon, the national park, had. Like obviously,、uh, transcended state lines, right?、Mm-hmm. And since he did it in a like it was something like he did in another state, it didn't really count. And he was not, he was like a New York citizen. So he was and, just never, yeah, punished. No, he was、liable? eventually punished, but it was just、oh. like the it was really hard to even、mm-hmm. prosecute because. Of the loophole that he took, I mean, I feel like it applies to everything. Like there are definitely a lot of loopholes in laws, and unfortunately, people, especially like very wealthy people, not that um, who know the law better, usually take advantage of it. Right, like, hate to bring this up again, but Donald Trump and his taxes.、Yeah. He was able to go through lots of loopholes and pay how much in taxes? Like zero less, to ten. Definitely less. Yeah, right. Less than like a hundred, I think, or something. But yeah, if you know the law well, you know the loopholes well, and you can get away with a lot of sneaky stuff. So moving on to our second story, Idaho politician doxes a woman who accused a fellow lawmaker of sexual assault. Priscilla Giddings, an Idaho state representative and a major in the Air Force Reserves, faces ethics complaints after publishing private information of a sexual assault survivor. The victim, a 19-year-old legislative intern who is being referred to as Jane Doe, reported to the authorities that Representative Aaron von Ellinger. Who is 38 years old began sexually abusing her in March. After Doe reported the incident, leading Republican House leaders filed an ethics complaint against Von Ellinger on March 17th, saying that he quote engaged in conduct unbecoming end quote of a representative. The House Ethics Committee then began conducting confidential interviews, one being with Miss Doe, and determined that it was fit to proceed with a public hearing, which was set to take place on April 28th. The House released a copy of the complaint that censored Doe's real name. However, a leaked copy of the statement Von Ellinger's attorney had written to defend Von Ellinger at the Ethics Committee began circulating, and far-right blogs and media began publishing the statement. The statement actually contained Doe's real name, and there were no efforts made to censor it and protect Doe's identity. Additionally, the blogs and news included a picture of Doe from her high school years and private information about herself and her family. Giddings actually shared one of these articles on her Facebook and in a weekly newsletter she sends to her constituents. Giddings made also no effort to protect Doe's identity and referred to her with derogatory names, according to Doe's attorney, Annie Hightower. Giddings later explained that she felt it was suitable for Doe's name to be doxed because she wanted both sides of the case to be quote equally end quote and another quote 
accurately represented. On April 28th, the public hearing took place. Doe testified online under the name Jane Doe and sat behind her curtain to hide her identity. Three women actually followed Doe and her attorney through the state capitol, and after Doe's testimony was finished, Hightower, her attorney, rushed her to a safe location. It was later found out that one of the women was connected to the media, while the other two were connected to far-right groups. During the public hearing, Giddings testified as a witness for Val Ellinger. Giddings claimed that on the same day she shared the articles on her Facebook and in her newsletter, Doe came up to her outside the Idaho State Capitol. Giddings had apparently called for security and rushed inside. After the encounter, Doe had left a voicemail on Giddings' number, allegedly calling Giddings a, quote, terrible person, end quote, and saying that Giddings would pay for her sins. Giddings also testified to Doe's mental state during the encounter, with no evidence, of course. The insults were parallel to those that shame and doubt sexual assault survivors. The day after the hearing, the House Ethics Committee found unanimously that Von Ellinger had, quote, engaged in conduct unbecoming, end quote, of a representative. The committee was going to vote on whether or not to expel Von Ellinger, but before the vote could happen, he resigned from his post. According to Hightower, a police investigation into Von Ellinger is still underway. Hightower also notes that since Von Ellinger resigned before the committee could ever impose sanctions on him, there is a chance that he could still run for public office in the future. Earlier this week, the Idaho Female Veterans Network organized a demonstration on the doxing of Jane Doe, where around 60 people participated and urged the public to contact leadership of the Idaho's House of Representatives and the U.S. Air Force Reserve to express concerns about Giddings' role in this matter. On Monday, May 31st, the American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, of Idaho sent a petition containing 6,000 signatures to the leadership of the Idaho House of Representatives, calling for the resignation of Giddings over this matter. Additionally, they asked that the legislature file a formal complaint against Giddings and to open an ethics investigation if she refuses to resign. Currently, Giddings serves on the House Agricultural Affairs, Appropriations, and Commerce Committees. She plans on running for lieutenant governor in 2022 as a, quote, proven conservative, end quote. Okay, I have one major, major issue about this, and it's Giddings trying to justify her actions and saying that she said it was suitable for Doe's name to be doxxed because she wanted both sides of the case to be equally and accurately represented. First off, you have no say in this. Second off, the perpetrator who is a representative is a public figure. So there is reason for his name to be out there in the papers and in the articles that are written about this case, right? However, the victim is a 19-year-old intern in the house. She is not a public figure. She has discretion as to when her name is being set out in public. She has discretion for that. You're not allowed to just be like, hey, look, everybody, here's this person's name, information about herself and her family, and her high school picture. You know what's really funny? It was I remember the whole, like, in the beginning of, like, conservatives were super against, like, because doxing was paired along with cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Republicans 
uh, or more far right conservatives were very, very, they were like, oh, cancel culture is so stupid and like doxing, like, why are you doing this to people? And I'm like, obviously, doxing is not good, right? Because you're basically、mm-hmm. sharing information about someone with the intent of harm. But when this person, Priscilla Giddings, who is a far right representative, I'm pretty sure, a proven conservative. Yes, a proven conservative. According to her, she is justified because she wants the case to be accurately represented from both sides. Which is so hypocritical. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes both sides are so hypocritical, but I feel like it's definitely more on the. Republican. Or not, I wouldn't say Republican because you can. Well, on the. <laughs> Um, f- more right side of the spectrum. Not that there isn't on both sides, definitely. Nancy Pelosi.、Um, <laughs> even with like Democrats, especially like、um, the whole, these like older、mm, established politicians, like when it comes to s- sexual assault allegations, it's just, oh my gosh. Like, I, I, don't, I just don't understand. Because, like, they like to say this value of, like, family. Often, these older politicians of this particular era are, like, very family value oriented,、uh, like, family oriented, like, morals, values. But they always、um, happen to have the sexual assault allegations. Coincidence? I think not. Like, even like、um, Andrew Cuomo, like a very like, well established person who is like, it. And the way they just go about it is like, they're all for sexual assault allegations,、uh, like believing sexual assault allegations when it's for the other side. But when it's them, it's like, oh no. They keep shaming and doubting them. Yeah, and again, hypocrisy.、Mm-hmm. And it just, like, the way that. I think it's scary because the way that they always abuse their power, because once you're in a position of power, as are politicians, right? Or even like a boss, right? The power dynamic between an intern and a. Well established politician. Right? They have so much power over the intern because they have a say in what future the intern will have. Because, of course, if you're interning somewhere, you're hoping to get a higher job, possibly at that place. So, this representative pretty much had lots of power over her, and he gets to, I don't know, I guess have his way with her. That sounds so bad. So, he was sneaky about this shit too. He pulled some sneaky stuff.、Yeah. He resigned before the House could ever impose sanctions on him. Which means that he might be able to run for another public position. Yeah, I mean, that's his strategy, right? Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> And I mean, also like reputation. You don't want to say that you got him, like. Kicked out. It's like, it's not like. But I mean,、look. if he does decide to run, maybe maybe the media will shine light onto this absolutely terrible incident. Yeah. 
And even so, then people mm-hmm. will know not to vote for him. Yeah, and even the issue of doxing, like I feel like doxing, it's just like a uh, stripping of privacy. Now, obviously, technically, you have the right to share whatever information you want, right? Because mm-hmm. the Bill of Rights applies more from to protect us from the government, not so as much from mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, more from the government infringing on the rights of the people. Yeah, but these are government officials, right? They represent the government. You're right. And so it is more closer to a violation of a right to privacy because you should be allowed to um, keep yourself safe and like keep your identity. Because it's like think about like a whistleblower, right? There's a reason why Mm -hmm. we keep whistleblower identity. There's a reason why they're called whistleblowers in the first place because the fact that Mm -hmm. their identity is anonymous is important. So then people don't exactly go after them. Yeah. And to avoid situations like these, when three women try to follow Jane Doe, who is yeah. a sexual abuse survivor, that was completely out of line. Mm-hmm. The least you can do is respect her privacy. And for our third story of the episode, we have... Malala, who faces backlash in her native country of Pakistan over recent Vogue interview. So Malala has recently graced the cover of the British Vogue magazine, which included an interview answer that really sparked the fire or like the the debate. And by the way, although I'm pretty sure most people know who she is, I'll just give a little explanation. So Malala is an advocate for girls' education, and she gained fame after her activism caused the Taliban to shoot her in the face, for which she was flown to Britain for surgery, and has thus remained in England for, with her parents for a while now, you know, for safety, and continues her activism to this day. I think she's, like, released books and spoken at many conferences as well. So back to the story. In the end of the Vogue interview, she sort of scorned marriage as being too much of a hassle and instead questioned why a relationship, more of like a romantic sense of a relationship, can't be just a partnership instead. And then she jokingly adds that her mother, like many... uh, And then she jokingly adds that her mother is very much against this stance of hers. And despite the lighthearted tone of the topic, as... is what the author had written as, her comments have caused serious online debates by many Pakistanis. So culturally, Pakistan is very conservative and views marriage as extremely necessary to like fitting in with society and often arranges marriages for familial compatibility, you could say. And specifically from a religious standpoint, having a relationship without even the goal of a official Islamic marriage is pretty rare still and because of the backfire her father went public to state that the comments have twisted Malala's words in a way since the responses have become really extreme like in a bad way people have said that oh the Taliban missed a perfect shot and they've called Malala an accursed woman with a slanted face and like mocking her comparing her for Mia Khalifa, who's a Middle Eastern porn star, 
and even claiming uh, Malala is being groomed by Western intelligence agencies like the CIA and the MI6. And despite the very clear personal insults and the mocking of her appearance, the commenters are just basing their argument off the belief that marriage is super sacred and they're saying that Malala is implying or pushing for others to live in sin, which is without marriage, right? There are some positive responses, but those happen to be far and few in between, with many pointing out that the majority of the negative response come from men, which is not surprising for the most part. The fact that they compare Malala Yousafzai to Mia Khalifa is so funny to me. Mia... How is that even relevant? I don't understand. Compared it's an just like um, to a porn star. I think they're saying is because like uh, because Malala is well, she wasn't implied like she wasn't pushing for it. It was like her own personal view, but it was just like my opinion. Hello, yeah. It's not. Hey guys, don't marry. <laughs> and from that point, from their viewpoint, right? Not marrying in like even though you're in a like a long term romantic relationship. Um, is considered a sin and for them also porn is a sin and so they're that's kind of their basis gotcha gotcha that makes more sense but yeah clearly i don't understand the purpose of like when especially when you're attacking viewpoints from like why do people comment how that person looks what is like for what what reason point there's no relevancy to that. I mean, I get that maybe, haha. There's no relevancy like, to viewpoint. It's a, yeah, it's an easy target. Yeah. It's an easy point to make. But it's also one that's not substantive at all. Like, okay, you made fun of the person's appearance, so you're not even attacking what's, I guess, at hand. Yeah. Or the, and some are just um, like... The subject that you're trying to talk about yeah and some of them are just out of pocket like saying the taliban missed the perfect shot the girl i don't think that's mm. yeah i guess it's not that surprising that this is going on because in pakistan malala is not viewed as positively as she is in western countries for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons and you know because of the tension between Middle East and Western uh, countries, especially the United States, is mm-hmm. uh, causes a lot of people to view like others as puppets. You know, like when mm. I think the best way I can explain oh, it, say like when they said she was groomed. Yeah, like um, more of like right. a puppet yeah. of the West or even like a puppet of the East is. It happens a lot when you have this sort of tension mm-hmm. when ethnically or like where someone when you one of your people starts speaking for the other side, right? In this case the other side being from a like different culture. Right. Yeah. And on it like I understand the fact that Malala is speaking for her own, 
like her own opinion and it was like very lighthearted you know like she's still so young and like she has the right to individually believe what she wants right she can like still claim to be part of her groups right but she doesn't have to follow all the beliefs that the general belief uh group believes in and I get that, oh, like, because people look up to her, it's obviously as a celebrity, or not, I don't know, as a famous figure, of course, you are going to have influence that's inevitable. And so when any famous person does something, it does cause backlash more than the normal person because it, um, because of that influence. But at the same time, I just feel like, She's, I, I mean, she really she should be allowed. She her own opinion. Yeah. yeah. And it's up to viewer's discretion or her audience whether or not to follow her opinion or not. Because yeah. you have your own critical thinking. You have your own opinion of what the topic is about. You don't have to follow hers. Mm-hmm. Like, people have their own opinions in their head. They're not just sheep. Like, I'm hoping people have the common sense and critical thinking skills to think for themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with this celebrity culture. I think we talked about it before. Is it's just so hard to, like, of course you want to, like, if you want to, be influential, right? That's a genuine ambition, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you want to pursue, find success that causes you to be famous, then that's something like, I mean, it's a trade-off people make. But at the same time, like, they do make that sacrifice, and one of them is that it's definitely harder to um, hold individual beliefs without getting backlash, right? And I think it's super harmful because then it causes, like, people freaking out about the smallest things ever. And... Like a joke. Yeah, a joke. And, like, we spend all our, I guess, regular people, right, non-famous people, spend all our time looking at people them doing that but at the same time if we didn't how would they have influence right and i'm not even just talking about like oh actors singers but people like malala or famous professors like just public figures in general i think because they have a large following plus social Mm -hmm. media doesn't help in this and we see everybody's opinion every day so I guess one takeaway we can all learn from is to learn to think for yourself and not to blindly accept public figures' opinions. Or another point, like news stories and their opinions and facts, y'all should think for yourself and perhaps even research and dive into the topic a little more so you can build your own opinion yourself. Of course you can grab influence from some people as long as you're not blindly following them. Yes, and if you want to read more, um, there's obviously articles on this for 
the third story is NPR. Go check that out. Um, the second story, Claire, do you want to share? Well, for our second story, we got our sources from Intercept and Idaho Press. Well, Idaho Press, of course, because that was a local story for them. But I think just searching up the story itself, searching up keywords like, oh, like the politician doxed a woman who is a sexual assault survivor, you can find loads and loads of information from both sides of the political spectrum, I'm pretty sure. And I think it's good for you guys to read up on both sides, just so then you don't exactly see the bias. Right? Or like, <laughs> Okay, that it's doesn't okay. make much sense. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... <laughs> I mean, if you read from both sides of the spectrum, you can kind of eradicate the bias for yourself. Because they cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah. PEMDAS. Right, right versus left. I guess you can say that. Yeah. It's just that when you compare both sides of the story, you can boil down to what the information actually is. And you can kind of get rid of the bias in your head when you absorb the information. Does that make more sense? Yes. Cool. And on that note, for the first one, we got, you can read more at the Conversationalist and the local version, which is more like Cronkite News. Yeah, so those are... Go seek the information for yourself, you guys. And yeah, we always encourage you to read beyond what we just shared with you today as well. Like, of course, we're not the only source. (laughs) Correct. But before we leave you, we have our Sunday snippet into the past. So for our Sunday snippet, on June 6, 1944, D-Day Operation Overlord lands 400,000 Allied American, British, and Canadian troops on the beaches of Normandy in German-occupied France. A very important day in our history. (laughs) Yes, it is. Well, that is all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And have a good Sunday.